it came to life it was it was exactly how they told me it would be you know i've heard a lot of a b and c but it ended up being x y and z um and this was right on point it was right on point uh you know they told me they wanted a group of humble um low ego players um who work hard who keep their humility throughout the season and um as i say give it their all and that's definitely what they brought together that's definitely what we have here as a team Welcome to the City Voice podcast. I am very excited to announce Nico Jawakini is joining us on the podcast. Nico, we are very excited to have you on today. It's, uh, it's been a long wait, but the whole team has been looking forward to this one. How are you doing? I'm lovely. I'm happy to be here. How uh, How's the break been so far? You had a, a few weeks off? Not even a few weeks, what, eight uh, days? Yeah, I mean, we had 10 days uh, considering the day after the game. So it's something where we got some good regeneration, some good time with family, friends and replenish the mines. Did you get to travel anywhere nice? I went to Vegas for a few days with a couple with a teammate and a, and a co-worker so it was it was definitely fun definitely fun. Did you manage to catch any of the soccer going off in Vegas? I got to go to the Dortmund Man United friendly game at the Allegiant Arena which was a blessing it was really lovely to see. Yeah. Fantastic okay we're gonna um we're going to talk a little bit about you growing up. We're going to talk about your journey through Europe and eventually landing here in St. Louis City SC. But we start with a just for fun section. Um, we need you to give me the most honest answers you got. I'm going to start with a real difficult one. Italian, French or American food, which is your favorite? Italian. Kansas City or St. Louis City? St. Louis. St. Louis barbecue, Kansas City barbecue. Kansas City barbecue. Favorite possession that is also a flex? My car. Favorite player that is not Cristiano or Messi? Myself. Best player you've ever played against? Neymar. That's a good one. Best piece of advice you've ever been given? Be patient. Love it. Okay. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about you growing up. You've got a, a really interesting career um, today and your story growing up is really cool. Um, I'd love to hear a little about where you, where you grew up. I grew up, it's uh, a great question. I've been a bit of a vagabond uh, in my life, my family's life. We've moved all over. Uh, I was born in Casey, Kansas City, Missouri. Spent approximately eight years in or uh, Overland Park, Kansas. Then we moved to Italy. Um, we spent four years, three and a half, four years in Parma. Uh, we learned the language, culture. It was, it was lovely, but then we had felt it was time to come back home. And we had moved to the East Coast uh, for about three years. Um, and by that time, I was about 15. And that's when I moved to France. Um, stayed in France for seven years. And uh, last year, about a year and a month ago, 13 months ago, I signed for Orlando and six, four or five months later, actually, I, I got the draft call to go to St. Louis. And now that's where I am here. Awesome. So you've got a European passport. Like where, where's, uh, where are your parents from? My father's Italian from Parma, uh, born and raised. My mom was born in Spanish town, Jamaica, uh, but mostly spent her time in, in the New York and the Manhattan area. So Jamaica and Italy have strong footballing cultures which one of your parents brought you into the beautiful game? It was a more of a natural thing. Um, I'd never seen the game being played, especially in, 
in uh, in Kansas City at the time. You know, early two thousands. Um, I just whenever I saw a spherical object, I tend to use my feet more so than my hands, and I think that's where the the love and gist came from. Uh, my father definitely loved football, uh, but I didn't I didn't catch on until I started to play. You know, once I was five, four or five, I started to watch H- AC Milan play, which is my um, my heart team, and uh, and then from there it went on. Kansas is a, a sporting town, baseball, football. Did uh, did you play any American sports growing up? Uh, no, I played a little bit of tennis. Um, I see tennis more of a European sport, but um, I did tennis for a few years. I did swimming, uh, but no basketball, no baseball, no football, no hockey, no lacrosse, none of those sports. About eight years old, you just mentioned you moved to Palmer. Um, tell me about that. Like uh, eight years old, you're like very aware of like where you are in life. Was moving to Italy daunting, exciting? Like, you know, had you been there before? I had been there, I believe, on vacation prior to us moving there. Um, definitely exciting. I've always loved to move. It's never been a problem. Uh, you know, getting me accustomed at that age was also a good idea. That was smart by, by my parents. <laughs> uh, but definitely something exciting that I was looking forward to when I was eight. I remember flying there as if it was yesterday and almost starting a new life. You know, it was tough as time went on, but definitely exciting on the, on the, on the upbeat. Palmer is a footballing city like Buffon and played there Zola Fastino Espria um as a as a young man that loved soccer was it different like arriving at a place with so much history you know at that age I didn't really think of it uh, I'll be very honest uh, obviously looking back at it now I see it more as a cultural thing and you know there's a lot more to it than I had realized when I was eight uh, when I was eight I just go in there and try to have as much fun as possible and enjoying what was going on around me uh, besides that you know it was kind of hard to appreciate everything going on around me besides the fun and games so i can say yes now but back then i probably couldn't have said that there's um always a conversation going on in culture about the way um american youth soccer is uh, is taught and european soccer is taught You've said to you've spoken to me before and said that you know you see yourself as a technical player. I think we all see it on the pitch every week. Um, was there a difference in coaching that you noticed when you went over there? Is there more focus on on tactics, and does that benefit the player who you are now? There was more focus on passion. Uh, passion goes a long way. Um, it's something where. In the U.S., I was more focused on all my technical skills um, because here in the U.S., they do work a lot on technique. Um, You know, I had a coach on the side where I would practice once a week, technically, 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 and then I'd get to the game on the weekend and practice with my team and I'd see my improvements. But in Italy and in France, it was more the passion of the game. You know, Italy was full out passion, especially at a young age. You know, you play because you love the sport. You give everything because you love the sport. In France, you, I learned the more the tactical side of the game, technical side as well, but it was mostly how to win as a team. You know, it, was, it wasn't that, um, ev- I wouldn't say evolved, but at that age in Italy, we didn't, you know, we would have trained something different compared to what we'd have done 10 years later or five years later. So, you know, we, I learned a little bit of different things from everywhere I went. What was it like being in Italy um, 
just as a just as a person like adapting to the culture like was it easy to make friends did it take a while to adapt to the language like how, how does that sort of thing um shape you yeah it's it's never easy uh, especially um as a young kid where you don't know what's good for you who's good for you you know you just kind of stick by your family's side and go along and do what they do um but you know you i i hate not understanding um, I always hated, I despise not understanding what people are saying around me because maybe they're talking about me, maybe they're not. So I always wanted to know. So I, I was really focused on learning the languages everywhere I went. Um, Italy was, you know, I had to because my father was Italian. I couldn't move to Italy for four years, have an Italian father and not know how to speak the language. You know, so my parents, especially my mom, always set that standard for me. Um, she set it basically for the whole the whole family, you know, you, you, wherever you go, you need to learn the culture, the language there, and that'll help you later on in life. Respect people more, respect situations, and adapt to everything you see. You moved to France. Um, was there was this part of a footballing journey for you, or was this like driven by you know family requirements? Like, how, how did you end up moving again? Yeah, it wasn't football driven. Um, it was my father's business location changed. Uh, he sells pasta. I believe he still does. So uh, it was a relocation of his um, headquarters. So uh, I happened to be in Paris, which was, you know, it's also a blessing. You know, I could have, it could have been worse. Yes, not, not <laughs> um, a bad place to end up. Yeah, not a bad place to end up. So, um, you know, I always knew France was a footballing powerhouse, uh, especially for the youth. The youth coming out of France, as you see from then until today, are our, our, our world star, world class players. So it was a good opportunity to see where I fit in the in the food chain in France. Did you have it in the back of your mind that you wanted to be a professional footballer by this age, or were you still just doing it for fun? Yes, I knew. I knew I wanted to be a professional footballer. I knew. I didn't know what it took besides hard work, and I've just learned that along the way because it's a lot more than just hard work. Um, but yeah, I definitely knew that. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm meant to be. And I'm not going to let go until I get there. So France, um, as you just mentioned, great for young players. Like no league in the world gives more minutes to teenagers. Um, how did your move into the professional game happen? Like, did you, did you like opt for trials? Did somebody scout you? Like, how did, uh, how, how did you go from like playing football to jumping into a professional club? It was, uh, I was at Red Star, which was a club in the second division at the time. Um, by the end of my tryout, they had dropped to the third division. Um, so I think if you drop to the third division more than two years, you lose that professional status. I believe that's how it works in France. Um, and uh, they didn't manage to roster me, get my card and my license uh, valid for the next season. So I had to change. Um, I had to leave and then I managed to get a someone I knew from the U.S. My coach helped me get a tryout um, at Paris FC. My mom had been talking to uh, an agent at the time who had a, a contact with the Paris FC club. Um, and so I managed to get one tryout one day and it took them one day to make the decision they wanted to keep me. And that team at the time was in the second division as well. Uh, and that club partner was at the second division. Um, so I joined that team. They managed to pass my license, get my 
my registration ready for this season. Um, it took them a long time. It took them, I think, nine months for it to get through. So I had to just play friendly games for nine months. Um, and then I eventually managed to start um, valuable championship games. Um, but that was definitely after a year. So you're playing in League Two? Yeah, in the youth academy there. I was U17 at the time. And you're competing with a lot of talented players, but you're on, you're on the cusp of, of making it pro. Like, does a, do any of your behaviors change? Do you start to really focus in? Does it, does it start to settle in your head what it means to be a professional footballer when you're looking at everything that's going on around you? You know, at the time, no. Uh, I didn't put any pressure on myself. I didn't see, you know, I knew professionals, being a professional player is what I wanted, but I didn't connect the two. I just saw I play as much as I want. I work hard and I'll see where I am, you know, eventually. I think with time, I've put more and more pressure on myself. Um, but definitely at the time, at that stage, I was just trying to enjoy. And the more I enjoyed is the better I played and the more I was offered. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I didn't sign professional for that club, but it was f- those steps that got me to the professional um, team that I signed for. So you you do you do eventually make it to uh, Can yeah. Club of Ngolo Kante. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did that How did that move come about, and like, what did it feel like, like putting pen to paper on a on a deal? It was um, as soon as I signed there, I signed a semi pro contract um, for the U nineteen and reserve or professional reserve team. They were in the first division, so it was a it was a big jump. Um, I was very nervous, very nervous, considering this is a team that plays against Marseille, Paris Saint Germain, Lyon. So it's something where you you're like, you know, I don't, how much time do I have? How much pressure do I put on myself? Do I need to play against these teams now? Do I feel ready? Do I not feel ready? You know, so you start asking yourself a lot of questions. Um, but I managed to just play my game, put no pressure on myself after the first couple months. I think the first U19 season, I scored 20 goals in 30 plus games, um, you know, and then the following season was my my breakthrough season. Um, I wasn't a professional yet. It was coach Pascal Duprat, which is my, I owe him a lot because he's gave me my first chance with the professional team as a semi-pro player. And who did you make your debut against? Paris FC. So my was that? previous team. Yeah. Yeah, that and was what happened uh, on that debut. That was my first professional goal um, against my previous team and my first starter starting game. So that was definitely something I did. I couldn't predict. Um, it was uh, one of the best moments of my life, I'd say. Um, you did know. you celebrate or did you? I did. Uh, it wasn't a. It was a humble celebration, but yeah. you know, I just kind of just ran towards the bench uh, and um, I thanked the coach. You know, I thanked the team. I, my mom was there. My agent was there. You know, it was a, a moment of pride. Um, that, you know, it's it's something where it's kind of very hard to describe the emotions. You you know, you almost want to cry, but you don't because you know, you're a man, and you, you know, you gotta get through it and get through the game. And the game's not over. It was early in the game, so you know, you still want to win. You know, a bunch of things going through my mind, but definitely the, one of the best days of my life. Did it give you the confidence that like, yes, I, c- I can I can play at this level and above? Yes, it did. Uh, I can definitely play at this level. You know, I didn't just score in that game. I think I had one of my best games um, as a young professional player. Uh, definitely, you know, I was dynamic. I was everywhere, energetic. You know, obviously, tactically wasn't my strength because I, 
I was a young kid. I was kind of just running everywhere, but I probably had one of the best games of my youth career there. I, I can imagine. I mean, I should ask my mom and agent again, but I think they'd vouch for me. You can always tell when fans like a player because there's YouTube comps of them. So I've been going through the YouTube comps of you. Um, <laughs> What uh, what position did you play? Because you are you're all over the place on on the pitch. Your left, your right, your center. Like, what was the favorite position? Or when you're coming, you know, when you're uh, a, a teenager, they put you in lots of different positions to try you. I was a nine. I started as a nine. He put me as a nine. He knew my position was naturally a nine, so I played striker um, that whole season, the whole the rest of the season, because it was about the middle close to the end I knew that's where I felt most comfortable I think the coach could see it so he decided to keep me there um and had a team around me that would really support me in those in those moments of you know playing as a nine and making sure I do what I was supposed to do score goals which I did over the span of that year I think I managed to score about five goals um, before the end of the season um as a non-professional player so you know I was still in a a semi-pro contract playing with professionals so it was it was a humbling but lovely experience lovely lovely thing to go through and live were there any players in that team that you look back on you say wow that was that was that was a great mentorship that I got Malik Chukunte um he's playing for Nîmes now I think in the south of France um he might have changed uh we spoke we speak sometimes and he's definitely he was a striker at the time um he got injured in training right before the game it was the day before the game so that's how I knew I was going to play it was was 24 hours before kickoff um and he gave me the best advice or you know that I eventually heard a lot afterwards which was be patient um enjoy every moment that you play every minute on the field every second and be patient and those words still carry on till today don't I can't forget him I won't forget him and I owe him I definitely owe him that top quality mentorship because he was a great guy great guy considering I was also playing in his position you know a lot of times there's rivalry and jealousy um, which I do know about but he was the complete opposite he was a real man and real sportman like and super friend about it your um, early stages of your career um, like a lot of young players in the world they had to go through the COVID experience um, tell me what that was like um, in France it was rough. Um, you know, I I was in Caen at the time. I, they said a couple of weeks prior to um, the league being shut down uh, that, you know, they asked if they asked all players in the league if they wanted to continue playing during COVID or not. Uh, and I wanted to because, you know, I didn't think it was going to be that bad, but it ended up being catastrophic and they shut everything down. I moved. Well, I moved. I moved back home from Caen, back to Paris with my family to stay with them for the three and a half, four months that we were uh, off playing. Um, and, you know, being in a big city um, was, it was a little tough because we were in an apartment. It was four of us plus the dog. So Best <laughs> it was a big city uh, and not friends to COVID. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes you're allowed to go out and walk around to get some fresh air. And it was a ghost town. I mean, it was a ghost town, but it was beautiful. Yeah. I've never seen Paris so sunny, so beautiful. The river was clear. You could literally see all the way to the bottom. There was no pollution. I mean, the whole the whole climatic, I mean, um climate situation changed. 
and it was it was beautiful. It was I've never seen Paris look so so beautiful and and lovely and and, and attractive. So um, that was the nice part about it. But it was definitely very long, very very long. Four months in a in an apartment is is not fun. I would have rather had a house out in the country, like like many of my teammates had. What did you do to keep yourself like mentally tuned in during that time? <sighs> I mean. <laughs> My mom was a little tough with us considering the situation, I'll be honest. We weren't allowed to play any video games. It was reading, um, you know, keeping sharp between the between the ears, which is, you know, it's great. But yeah. I was like, you know, all my friends are online playing this, playing that. And, you know, I want to play. I want to talk to them. I want to do stuff. Uh, I had a girlfriend at the time. So, you know, I wanted to go see her. But, you know, we really couldn't. Uh, I mean, it was a. It was tough, but, you know, we, my mom was always tough on us. So we were kind of accustomed to it. Um, so a lot of family um, time was spent, family moments were spent together, talking, communicating, stuff we didn't get to do when we were all in our own areas. Um, so that was great. That was a good so part. So it sounds like you made the, made the most of it. Yes, I tried my best. We all did. Yeah. So uh, you get a, a low move to Montpellier. Yeah. Um, tell me about that. I mean, that's a, a prestigious club. Olivier Giroud played there. Um, that kind of kick-started his career. Yeah, tough, very tough, very difficult. Um, the circumstances weren't the best. You know, I was coming off a... I was going into a loan at the last hour, the last minutes of the transfer market. So, you know, I wasn't at all a priority for the club. Um, you know, my current club call wanted to get rid of me. Uh, Montpellier were like, we need an extra striker. But, uh, you know, it's not really the style we want um so it, it was it, it was tough it was tough i didn't get much playing time i didn't get much confidence from the coaches from the coaching staff from the players you know i had my little friend group but it was definitely very very difficult um you know if i were to give it a second try now it'd be a lot different um but we're all we all go we all go through these learning experiences it's a place where i learned a lot from certain players um i learned the ments a lot of mental game work uh mental strengthening uh you know when you're really at your bottom of of a career um even though it just got it had just gotten started um you know you don't you struggle to see the ways out you struggle to see the solutions you struggle to play you're doubting yourself everything you do is wrong you know it's 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 tough but um i'm glad i went through it then and and not later you played 77 games in league two According to my calculations, they might be a bit off. You might be able to correct me. It sounds about right. It sounds. Um, what are the, some of the highlights? I mean, that's you, know, you were extremely young. Like you're in a in a, a, a European league. Like, what are some of the highlights? What are the big things that you took away from that experience? The physicality of the game. Uh, league two is very physical. It's more physical than League one. Definitely very strong, um, especially as a nine. You know, a little 5'10", 5'11 guy um, with 6'3", 6'4", guys behind you who, when they come in, they come in hard. It was definitely an awakening to start hitting the gym. Um, so uh, I, I did learn a lot from, from that because, I you know, I was bruised up most games. Uh, knowing that defenders are tough. In League 2, they're very tough. I, my position needed to be different. My awareness needed to be three four times better than it was um and no, those are all things that i've carried on to my game nowadays you know i feel like i remember those moments and i'm more aware on the field i'm always looking around i'm looking at where the space is i'm looking at where the defenders are i'm looking at where my midfielders are i'm looking at where my tens are 
So it's uh, there are moments where you, you, you learn those things and they, they carry on for the rest of your career. I think one of the things that just normal fans um, maybe don't see, and you kind of touched on it there, is the, um, getting to the standard that you are at playing in front of packed houses. You go through a lot of what feel like failures in the moment and the test of character is how you come back from it. Like, sounds like you went through a lot. Like, what did you learn about, like, Nico the man, like through through that whole experience, and like, what does that do for you now? You're here. Yeah, you know, I feel like we always think, um, or at least I've always thought my cross was the heaviest to bear. Um, but you learn that other people go through a lot worse. Um, so, you know, as a person, I've always thought, damn, this is happening to me. This is tough. Why me? You know. What's going on? You know, I always, always, I used, I always look up to God. So he's always been my guide. And I always ask him, why is this happening to me? But everything happens for a reason. Um, everything's made to teach something different. And as a man, um, as a young man, I feel like the world of football is teaching me how to be, as Malik and everyone around me is teaching me, to be patient. Um, because I've always struggled with patience. I've always wanted something right away. I was, you know, in a family where I was a little spoiled as a kid. So, um, you know, I got my way quite often. Um, and the world woke me up. You know, my mom, I'm not, my mom did a great job of raising me because, you know, she was the harder one of my, of my parents. My dad was more the one who would spoil me. Um, but she, what she's told me as a kid definitely carried on. And she was definitely right about how the world works and how I need to be. So, Patient, aware, respect people, respect situations, and listen. Because you learn more from listening than you do from speaking. And she's always told me that. So, you know, this obviously carries on into football. And um, it's something where I try my best to keep in my mind and in my heart all these words to make the best of my career and make the best of my life as a man. It sounds like your mom has played a big influence on on your career and like the discipline part of your game like do you do you give her a lot of uh, a lot of credit for where you are right now yes i said earlier that my biggest flex was my car but i think my biggest flex is my mom um nice. i would have def i've been thinking about that since i said it and i definitely take that back um i i couldn't be prouder of who my mom is and how she raised me um if anyone had to ask me who's my role model who do I look up to? Who's my example? Who's who's the person who I'd give my life for? It's definitely my mom. Um, she's done such a job to to basically take in hand being a father and a mom because I don't speak to my father anymore. Um, I you know I, I owe her everything. So she's she's been my you know the wind beneath my wings as as my as she always says um, that she wants to be and. Um, she's definitely doing it so I hope it shows on and off the field you know sometimes we have our tough times but her words are definitely the wisest I've ever heard has it been special for her seeing you playing in Missouri for an expansion club scoring goals in front of packed houses does it does, does she love does she love the game like you do she might love the game more than I do <laughs> she's i mean okay no that's a joke but um i do love the game she loves the game she's learned so much about the game she's she's on top of it just as much 
as I am, as if she almost played it for 20 years. Um, so she, you know, she, she doesn't talk much, but she definitely listens a lot. Um, and it's proven because she corrects me no matter how well I do on the field. I'm, there's always something I'm doing wrong. Um, and she lets me know. I promise you she lets me know. Um, if it's one goal, you know, why aren't you scoring two? If it's two, why aren't you scoring three? Um, she always wants the best for me and she wants more from me. Um, she sees what my ability is sometimes more than I do. Um, and she definitely encourages me to always do better. So I try my best to impress her and everyone around me. Um, you know, that's why when I score and the goal over there, I tend to run to the, to the right, nothing against the fans to the left, but <laughs> my mom is to the right. So I always have to go and, and, and send her some love and kisses. But, uh, yeah, I definitely play to impress my mom. She's the hardest one. She's my hardest critic. So my toughest critic. So definitely, uh, she's the creme de la creme. And you're a big family man. Does it help having family around you? Is that like an extra bit of motivation when you know that they're in the stands? Yes. Um, my sister and my mom have always been there. Um, they've been to every home game. I think my mom missed just one. Um, they've been to a couple away games. So they, they've, they've. I couldn't ask for more from my from my family. You know, my brother's in in, Fran in uh, Italy right now working, so I understand the situation. Um, but. My sister and mom have always been there, and um, I, have, I pay a huge respect to that. That's something that is that shouldn't be taken for granted, and I definitely don't. Um, and when I do, um, God has a way of showing me, so I don't, I don't take it for granted. It's such a blessing. So to, to sort of reverse back a little bit, um, you're in France. Um, there's an opportunity in America, or is there a desire to move back to America and you send an agent out to find your move like how did the decision come about that you were going to come back to you know come to mls well i had a tough year at montpellier so you know teams it's not like i had uh 20 teams to choose from i had a couple um and or had a few and i think that coming home was my best choice you know um as i say I, it is my best choice because the other two will never will never know um, so uh, you know, coming back to or to the U.S., going to Orlando. Orlando was the first team to come to me, um, so uh, I respected that. You know, obviously teams came after Orlando once or they realized Orlando was going to sign me. I had a couple more MLS teams come and approach my agent, but you know, I pay respect to who comes to me first. So um, I try to be the man, man of my word. Um, so I told Orlando, you know, I'll come to you guys and I'll play for you guys. You know, they had presented me with a huge presentation. The coaches, Oscar, everyone, you know, with what the plan was. Um, but, you know, um, sometimes we plan and, and then God wipes away. So uh, I tried my best to stay positive considering what happened in Orlando was not at all what was presented to me and how I saw it. But, um, you know, we always end up in the right spot. And you chose to represent America uh, international level as well. You had other choices and you've kind of spent equal parts in in Europe and in America but you signed you signed up for for the the international American scene um does that speak to your love for the country did you always have that like were the formative years baked into your head I always wanted to play for my my native country I mean where I was born it's red white and blue is is you know is where I'm from it's where I was born you know I had Italy and and, and Jamaica as future possibilities but I, you know, the, the red, white, and blue was what I wanted to represent. You know, I was I grew up in in KC in middle and in the Midwest, so 
Um, and I did love it there when I was a kid. I loved it there. So I definitely wanted to represent where I loved um, and where I love. You know, I still love my country. Um, you know, I haven't been called up in a while, uh, but, you know, nothing till it's time, I'd say. Situations don't always work out. You've just said that um, there are loads of reasons why players succeed and loads of reasons why they don't at clubs. Lucky for us, uh, there was an opportunity for you to come to St. Louis City SC. Um, did you know much about the club? Did uh, did you know any of the coaching staff? Like, how did how did this all come about? Like, what was the where did the phone call come from? Yeah, um, I okay. I got a phone call uh, in the midst of um, shopping in Paris. I was out shopping for some clothes, and I got a phone call from Lutz and Bradley. I believe those are the only two voices I heard, and. Um, <laughs> It was a, it was a, it was the best moment of that year uh, to get that phone call. You know, a lot of these phone calls when I'm in Europe, I don't answer. So it was, uh, it was definitely the right moment to answer. And um, I was, I don't know how to describe it. I was, um, I was almost befuddled, um, confused that this was actually happening, um, considering how many choices they had. I think they probably had over 250 players that they could have choose, chosen from and I was the first pick so um, I was happy I wanted to you know, leave Orlando I needed somewhere new fresh where I could get an opportunity and I had paid attention to St. Louis as an expansion team and we, my mom and I had made a couple jokes and my cousin Carlton about you know uh, it'd be funny to move back to the Midwest you know if St. Louis were, were to call me and you know the words came to reality so um, well I couldn't think the whole organization and and Lutz and Bradley for for taking me. So the plan that they described to you on the phone, did the reality map to the plan? Like how close um, was what they offered to what it became? Came to life. I mean, came to life. Like the night at the museum, it came to life. It was it was exactly how they told me it would be. You know, I've heard a lot of A, B, and C, but it ended up being X, Y, and Z. Um, and this was right on point. It was right on point. Uh, you know, they told me they wanted a group of humble, um, low eagle players um, who work hard, who keep their humility throughout the season, and um, as I say, give it their all. And that's definitely what they've brought together. That's definitely what we have here as a team, as a collective unit, and that's what we see on the weekends. You know, not every weekend's perfect. It's hard to be the best every weekend, but we come out uh, triumphant most weekends because of this mentality, and it's. Instilled, it was instilled in us from the first day we got here, January 11th. Um, you know, I won't forget it. Uh, and it it was described picture perfectly. Um, you know, very, I, kudos to them. Very well done. Very, very well done. So I've had a lot of your teammates um, sit in front of me. Everybody said there's something special about this dressing room. You just mentioned there that Bradley and Lutz wanted a low ego dressing room. You show up and... Um, you don't know you're going to connect with people. I've seen you on the training ground. We've all seen you on the pitch. Looks like you're having a, a good time and looks like you you like who you work with every day. Yeah. yeah, we have players who try their best to understand each other and eventually do. Um, you know, sometimes you don't have that chemistry from the get-go, but as you go at it, as you keep going at it, smart players do eventually have it. Um, and it's working well. It's working better and better. Um, you know, each player has their own individual quality that another player doesn't have. And you see that in games, you see that in training. Um, you know, me personally, I try to bring verticality and positivity. 
Um, I try to be very um, available to all my teammates when as much as I can. Um, I love making them look good. It's fun. It's fun to see us working well together and scoring goals. And that's something where I work. I try my best to do. Um, and yeah, you know, we have a group of, of humble, you know, we have a humble, um, a group of humility and it's something where uh, it goes a long way, as I keep saying. With an expansion team, it's, you know, you're all training together. You like the look of the players around you. You don't know what's going to happen on the pitch. Before the Austin game, did you, did you have, like, were you worried? Like, could this be terrible? Or did you have a vibe, you know, with all your previous experience? Did you have a vibe that the team was going to deliver on the pitch? You know, funny, because that game, I had no opinion prior to the game of what I thought was going to happen. Um, obviously wish the best, but I did not know if we were ready enough. I did not know if I was ready. I did not know how the team was feeling. Um, <laughs> it's funny because I, I really don't remember at all. Um, and I didn't think I had an opinion on how the game was going to go. Um, uh, but you know, little to my knowledge, it was positive, more than positive. And it was great. You know, I knew I wasn't starting that game, which was a little frustrating, um, to me. Uh, you know, I know what my ability is and I felt like I was um, I could have been the coach's best choice, but it worked out in the end. Everything works as it's supposed to be. And, um, you know, it was a humbling experience. I managed to get a, a lovely assist in the end. Talk with us through the assist. Um, I mean, I don't think I give Klaus the best ball. Um, you know, my legs were still a little shaky from from the first game. But, um, you know, we got I got the ball from Edu. I managed to. You know, he turned, went forward. I managed to have a good control with my right foot um, out of the air. And my first thought was forward. Got to go forward. I knew there was space because it was just Klaus. I think someone was on the left side. It was me and three defenders. Um, and I know, I didn't know Klaus that well yet, um, but I know that a striker needs to make that run. So as I hit control, I, I kind of lift my head and I see he's already on there. And he managed to keep himself onside. So I give him a ball a little wide. I would have liked to maybe put some spin on it to put him in straight into goal. But it worked out. So I can't really say much about that. And It's got to be one of the goals of the season. Oh, yeah. Still, right? Cut I mean, it was in. a thing of beauty. Oh, lovely. Outside of the right foot. I mean, a real number nine finish. What was it like in the dressing room after? Like all the preparation, all the hype, all the people that said that you guys couldn't do it and you were going to finish bottom. Like what was it in the dressing room after? I mean, we knew that it was just the first game. You know, people could still prove us wrong. Um, they still can, but our, you know, our job obviously is not to make that happen. And um, but that first game emotion was insane, insane. It was. I think Bradley was crying. Um, Carolyn was there. Um, the owner. Uh, I mean, there were the emotions were so high up there. Tim Parker with his first goal. Um, it was. It was just a moment to live, um, especially for an expansion team. I know. I know. I, know, I think. Uh, Tim had an experience as an expansion team. I don't know if it went the same way, but um, I mean, definitely a first for me and for almost everyone on there to be so proud with the hard work and to beat a team in such an atmosphere because Austin is arguably one of the better teams in the league, especially in the past. Um, you know, they had a tough year, I know, but uh, their atmosphere and their stadium to go away and, and win a game like that in the last minute is, uh, is something to be proud of. And we definitely felt that in the locker room after the game. So then coming back to St. Louis, then you've got the home game. Yeah, uh, 
what did you expect from the fans? Like you just like Austin. Let's let's be honest. That, that's a that's a top three fan base in MLS. Unbelievable yeah. noise in that stadium that day. Did you think that you were going to get that matched here, or did you? I was expecting it, and it was definitely it was definitely like that. I remember the first action. I believe I got down on the what is that the south side? Yeah, um, of the stadium. It was. Uh, I managed to, I think, get the ball from the keeper, and I kind of come or came back in on the outside of the box and cross it into Klaus, and Klaus he missed it. But the energy we felt from that action, the first action of the game, oh, it was insane. I was like, okay, this is definitely going to be a great year and a great stadium to play in, game in and game out. So um, it was. I was expecting a lot, and I definitely got more than I was expecting. It was loud. It was loud. Even hearing my own thoughts was difficult, which is a good thing, so I can stay focused. So your your game has developed, you know, since the the first games that we saw you. Like it was great to see. I think game game day four was your was your first goal, uh, San Jose. San Jose. Um, that must have given you a lot of confidence. But you've had to play. You played as a, a second striker, and then Klaus was out, and then you picked up as the as a different type of number nine. Like what? And you you started to smash it. Uh, number nine, like the first the first cup, the first game seemed difficult, and then the second game, it felt like you clicked. Um, now you've played in two different positions. Which one is your favoured? And um, do you feel like you are growing as a player? Do you feel that yourself? Number nine is my favourite. I've always been a nine. I love it. I love it to death. Definitely my preferred position. But I was having a lot of fun with Klaus. Um, I really was. As a 10 under him, his movements, I was understanding. He was understanding. You know, we had moments where we were there juggling between guys, bang, bang, bang. You know, it was, we have that connection. So, you know, I feel like knowing that, going into games, knowing that made it just as confident and as fun as playing a nine. You know, nine, you may get more chances um, to score goals and be more more decisive um, and, and, and critical. Uh, but definitely having a lot of fun playing around Klaus. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, I'd rather be a nine. Um, but with Klaus coming back, I know what how good he is and his stature. So I'm more than happy to work with that. One of the things I noticed looking at your videos in France is you always seem to extract a lot of fouls against yourself. Like people like to, to kick you up in the air. Um, when you're getting kicked up in the air here, in the back of your head, are you like, well, we've got i've got edu feeding feeding balls into the box like is it almost an advantage that you know that you cause people so many problems that they have to foul you in those dangerous areas is that part of your game it is um you know a lot of times people think it's a dive or it's uh it's light contact one for one contact is contact sometimes it's light sometimes it's just enough to put you off balance so you can't do what you want to do with the ball a lot of times is um you know, a lot of holding, a lot of, you know, a lot of pinching, scratching, squeezing. I mean, those things I don't really see very often and they tend to ignore, but it's part of the game. Um, I know it's part of the game. I know defenders um, hate strikers like the way I play. I know it. Um, it's I'm guessing it's very annoying because I wouldn't want to play against someone who plays in my manner, in my fashion. But it's my game. Um, you know, if you're going to trip me, you're going to trip me. The ref's going to call a foul. Um, you know, it's a moment, it's, it's a time where if they foul me, I want it to boost my team's confidence in believing in what I can do. Um, if they don't foul me and I get around a player and we keep going forward, I want them to believe in what I do. 
Um, you know, it's 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 tough to say that fouls are a big part of my game, but they are. Um, you know, fouls slow the game down sometimes when it needs to be slowed down. They can speed it up when it needs to be sped up. It's just seen in a different manner. So I, you know, I, I try to be as dynamic as possible. When you're always moving, it's easy to get fouled because people, it's, it's annoying. It's annoying when someone's like a bug, you know, a mosquito in your ear. It's, you know, constantly, where is this guy? Where is this guy? Where is this guy? Where is this guy? And that's how I've been taught. Always be annoying to a center back. Never be standing still. It's easy for them to come and crunch you. You know, always be in the movement. And that's when they have to foul you because it's 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 annoying. They're not going to keep chasing you around. Sometimes they're going to be a step late and they have to foul you. If not, you're going to spin out, move. So it's part of my game. It's what I like to do. Um, you know, I don't necessarily like to be kicked, but you have to almost sometimes you see it, you know what's coming. You have to protect yourself in the way mm-hmm. you fall as well. I mean, yeah, falling is that's a very good point. Falling is um, there's a technique to falling. Um, to avoid injury. Um, I've seen many players do it. Neymar, um, Terry Henry, you know, he wasn't foul much. He was very strong on his feet. But when he did, they fall with a manner that may look dramatic, but it's a way of contorting your body. So on impact, you don't hurt yourself. You don't hurt your hip. You don't hurt your shoulder. You don't hurt your back. Um, you don't plant your knee poorly. So it's it's something that I've studied and that I feel comfortable doing. Um, if I get taken down, if I just fall the way I fall, that's how you hurt yourself. A lot of times it comes from impact, but when you fall poorly, you have no control of it. So you may twist your knee, you may sprain an ankle, you may dislocate a shoulder, you know, so you need to fall in a, in a proper way. And it may look exaggerated, but it's to protect myself. It's not to make anything look dramatic or convince the referee. It's just being smart about your body. You are a very focused man. Um, what part of your game do you think has improved the most this year? Or like, which what part of your game are you working on uh, developing at the moment? My finishing. Um, I shouldn't have eight goals. I should have about 12 to 13 um, right now. So I definitely think my focus on finishing needs to be better. And that's what I'm working on. I'm working on being calm in my, in my, in my shooting, shooting times. Cause you know, sometimes I know I have, sometimes I don't know, but I have more time than I think. And I rush it. Um, so, uh, you know, it's something where it's frustrating looking back at it because, you know, afterwards, like, damn, I could have this and I could have, should have, would have. Um, so I'm trying to turn those could have, should have, would have into reality and no hesitation into what I do and finishing more actions because I have plenty. I managed to create teammates, managed to give me uh, chances and I need to be more clinical. I could have been in the. Well, I'm still in the race at the top, but I could have been up another four or five goals than what I have now. Do you have a target in mind for the rest of the season? I have a confidential target. Yes. Confidential target, I guess. Yes. Let's, uh, let's talk about goals. You've scored some absolute beauties this year, um, but I don't think, and this is just personal, I shouldn't be bringing it into the podcast, but <laughs> the goal against LA Galaxy blew my mind. Like that was Dennis Bergkamp-esque. Um, I wanted to know... How much of that is um, improvising because you're a technician versus you do that sort of thing in the training ground? Like, how, how, does, how do you turn that ball into a goal of such beauty? That, that finish was instinct. Um, I knew I wanted to put it, which is where it went, you know, in that far corner. Because goalies, you know, he's coming across, but, you know, he's a little advanced. It's, it's hard to bounce up when you're coming across, you know, so... 
it's it was you know I got a cross um it wasn't the best cross you know I'll be honest you know Indy gave me a ball that I had to do something with you know either control layoff control shoot um but my instinct was bang chip him touch just just a touch you know the ball already had force Indy managed to put good force on the ball um so all I needed was just a deflection on the far post on target and I I know that's what my instinct said would have gone in and it worked you know um so yeah it's just one of those things where you ball comes in boom there's just no thinking about it fraction of a second you do what you do and uh, I think that's what really shows uh, what a nine if he's a nine or not I think that's what really shows is this guy a natural striker or is he something else it's in those moments of instinct that you see what position he is I think that showed that you know this guy plays nine and you know obviously it's lovely to do it against a good LA Galaxy team in this moment um they were also on the uprise before that game I know they've had a tough season but they're getting better and it's definitely a moment where I was very happy to score um definitely for confidence as well um lovely I love love, I love fun goals so there are fan favorites but then there are number nine favorites do you have a, a goal the just meant a little bit extra to you be it because of team actions or like a moment in time like what was your favorite goal of the season so far oh my favorite goal was my first goal against San Jose um it had been just because it had been a really long time since I found the back of the net in uh in a, in a game uh man it had been over a year and that's tough for a striker for a guy you're supposed to score goals that's tough very tough um so when I scored you know it wasn't a beauty but it was definitely a a wall breaker um I had this calm lack of confidence the last year year and a half because of that lack of of goals and that definitely broke through and I was able to let go and enjoy the game more and score more goals after that so that was my favorite moment uh, my favorite goal of the season um, besides it not being as beautiful as a galaxy one it was it had more value to me more sentimental value do you watch much football in your spare time mm, not as much as i used to um been keeping tabs on a uh, lionel messi i have yes that is inevitable nowadays yeah what do you um what does it mean to you as a player having him uh in the league with alba and uh, busquets yeah you know it's um uh you got to respect what he's done. <laughs> I mean, no one's done what he's done. Um, Ronaldo, um, uh, extremely close, but Messi is done, um, abnormal things. So, you know, watching him score these goals, uh, free kick after free kick and, uh, shot after shot and making it look so easy is the hardest part. Um, so I respect that definitely, you know, we don't face them very often. I don't think we'll face them again this season, but unless we face them in playoffs, if they get there, uh, you know, I think it's good for the league. It's good for the league. Um, it's something where uh, I've played Messi before already in France, so it's not a. It's not going to be as you know shocking to me, I think, as it is for guys who haven't faced him yet. But um, it's Messi. You have to respect that he's the goat. So um, definitely great for the league. Great for for the coming years. And talking of playoffs, um, a. Is the dressing room talking about possibilities? Are you looking at where we are right now and getting excited or are you one game at a time? No, one game at a time. This is the moments where you 
if you look too far forward, you let things slip through your hands and you end up not being where you want to be. And then that causes disappointment and then eventually failure. So, no, I'm going game by game, goal by goal, minute by minute, win by win. That's it. That's the most important part. That's, I think, hopefully what everyone's looking forward to. We haven't even talked about playoffs yet in the locker room. So it's just about winning the next game. Anything can happen. We can slip down or we can stand tall, keep our position and and um, and win the Western Conference. You're a, a fan favorite. Uh, everybody loves seeing you on the pitch. Um, there's loads of noise every week. Um, what does the support in the stadium and the city mean to you personally? I love it. Um, I go to the supermarket and people recognize me. It's it's lovely. Um, it's something where I didn't get much in the previous clubs. I didn't get that much attention, but I can see what the love is for the players here. Um, you know, I, I always try my best to make people happy and make fans happy. And it's about enjoying the game, enjoying what you see. If they don't enjoy what they see, they're not going to come back. So, you know, besides the wins, I want to make it flary. I want to make it fun. I want to make it energetic. Um, and that's something that I work on a lot. Uh, I get a lot of pleasure from seeing smiles, happy faces. Uh, so if I do that to the fans, then I will keep doing it. And that's my job. And that's what I love to do. So my pleasure is definitely making them smile. Fantastic. We've got um, a little tradition on here. We like to finish out the podcast by um, you giving a message to the fans. They'll all be listening. And uh, like, if you've got anything to say to the fans as we head into the back half of the season? Keep being positive. Keep coming to the games. If you can't come to the games, support us in spirit. Um, and just roar for us. We work hard to make you guys proud. We work hard to... Um, to make sure at the end of the day, at the end of the weekend, you guys have smiles on the fa- on your faces, no matter what happens. You know, it's always hard to win all the games, I'll be honest, but um, we're definitely doing our best to come out with with our best performances so you guys can go home happy and, and wear the jersey with pride. Um, so we love you guys. I love the fans. I love every single one of them. And uh, we're here to, to build the future of this club. What a great way to finish the podcast, Nico. It's been an absolute pleasure hearing your story and what motivates you. It's been a joy watching you on the pitch and right. we're looking forward to um, making more memories together as, uh, as the season plays on. Thank you for your time. If you are listening to this on iTunes, make sure you give us a five-star review. Let Nico know how much you enjoyed this podcast so he'll come back again. And uh, on that note, we'll say ciao for now. Thanks, Lovely, Nico. Pete. Thank you so much.